Welcome to the Easy Point Podcast. Today we have a special episode where we explore how to get to a conference that holds a very special place in my heart, the Next Generation Summit, this June in New York City from the 8th to the 10th. This conference has probably changed my life more personally and professionally than any conference I've had the pleasure of going to, so I decided to make an episode to help people that were considering going to the conference able to do so in a more affordable fashion. We cover cash prices, how to get credit cards to keep your out-of-pocket costs really low, and even some strategies if you're not based in the U.S. and aren't a U.S. citizen. Hope this episode helps me see some of you at NGS 2018 this year. Hi, Jason. Good morning, Zach. Always good to talk to you. How are you? I'm good. Good. Excited for this trip I have coming up. I know you have a big vacation planned. It's uh, going to be moving around a lot, so happy happy to get to speak to you through this podcast. Likewise. Yeah, we, we just got to squeeze it in and make it work. Yeah, definitely. Today, I wanted to talk to you about actually, so tonight I'm going to a, a conference uh, in Miami, all the way from Amman, and you know, booking this last minute in an, kind of an affordable way using miles and points wasn't easy, but you know, I've, I've been doing it for a while now, so I was able to make it work. But I wanted to talk as, to you about kind of like a general strategy for getting to New York City in June. And, and the reason I ask is because I'm really involved with this amazing group called the Next Generation Summit, which is like a group of entrepreneurs and change makers, generally kind of on the younger side. I think most of the members are in college with some a little bit after like myself, some still in high school. And they're doing their ooh, third or fourth big conference in 2018, uh, June 8th, 9th, and 10th. And a lot of people are going to be thinking, hey, how can I get from where I am to New York for free or for as little as possible? So I wanted to talk to you today about strategies for people based on the West Coast, people based in Europe, uh, kind of the hubs of people coming to this conference, how they could travel to New York for as little as possible. And I'd say like beginner starting out episode. Okay, Zach. So that's actually a great question. And um, I'm happy it's in New York City. We're it's some, an area where I'm very familiar with. So I myself am based in New York City. And there's a lot of flights, luckily, going in and out of New York City. And we're going to talk about the different options. So I'd like to start with the West Coast. Um, I'll just pick on Los Angeles. Um, there are many, many direct flights, Los Angeles to New York. And there is, we can definitely find many ways to get this flight for free or very cheap. So if you're opening cards... I would go with the first card, say like a Sapphire, Chase Sapphire Reserve. And Zach, maybe you can post a link to this card in the notes. Yeah. That's a card that you're going to get at least 50,000 miles or chase points for signing up after you meet a spending threshold. And those points are worth 1.5 cents for travel. For example, if you get the 50,000 bonus points for signing up, you will have at least $750 worth of travel that you can spend it for flights, for hotels, etc. So in our case, we're talking about flights. And since the, the uh, conference is far out, you said it was in March? Where, when was it? In June. So they have, they have oh, enough time. Yeah. So you're probably looking at um, a round-trip flight direct from Los Angeles for, I don't know, $300. But if you have those points, you'll only spend 20,000 points 
because like I said, the points are valued at 1.5 cents per point. So they're valuable one and a half times their, their value. That's very good. That's one great option. And the, the benefit of that is that you're not restricted to one airline. So um, I'll take, for example, another mileage program that's good. So let's say uh, United Miles. United Miles is going to cost you on a good day 25,000 round trip or, or 12,500 miles each way. They go direct to Newark or they're going to stop and go to LaGuardia. Now, you could sign up for, let's say, a United uh, Miles credit card with Chase. I think the sign-up bonus varies. Sometimes it's 30,000 miles to sign up. Uh, sometimes you have a higher bonus, like a 50,000. In fact, maybe you have a link for 50,000 or you can find one. They come on and off. They raise the bonus. So that's a good card as well. But the thing is over there that you would be limited to flying with United Airlines. Um, but if you have like this Chase Sapphire Reserve, like I spoke about, you're not limited to United. You can go with any airline. So those are some of the options. The United card we talked about, the Chase Sapphire Reserve. There are more options um, because it's a popular route. And now American Airlines fly this route. And American also charges 12,500 miles one way. And, and when you or, say this route, Jason, do you mean L.A.? Do you mean San Francisco? I imagine a lot of our West Coast people are based in kind of a combination of those two cities. So, right. So I was talking about L.A. Okay. Honestly, San Francisco as well. United and American both fly um, from San Francisco and L.A. And LA direct to New York, as well as um, United even has some more nonstops from places like even Burbank or, or other cities in the south, like San Diego, and as well as in the north, they have San Francisco and they have maybe Oakland or San Jose. They have a couple nonstops from the, from the, from the uh, Silicon Valley area. Mm-hmm. So there's American miles. You can sign up for an American Airlines credit card. You can probably get 50 or 60,000 miles for signing up. Good enough for two round-trip tickets. Yeah, so let, let, let's just yeah. talk about it kind of – so for most people that are based in the United States, maybe even everyone, one credit card will be sufficient to get you to New York City and back for just taxes and fees. Is that right? That's right. Um, and it, it's funny. It's – you know, for, for, for us, it's like, yeah, of course. But for people kind of new to this, it's, you know, take a step back and like, wow, I have this whole trip paid for and then some – by just a single credit card. This is what initially got me into this whole game where I learned that and then kind of pressed it to the max to the point where I was getting, you know, up to six credit cards per quarter. Now I've kind of cooled that down a little bit just because I've, I've gotten most of the lucrative credit cards such that there's only a few credit cards left that I can get that would be able to pay for an LAX to New York and back in terms of flights. But, you know, you really, you really just need one so if you're going to get, let's say, one card this year, you're based in maybe Miami, you're based in San Francisco, you're based in Houston, and you want to get to New York and back and have some other benefits, what, what card would you say that that would be? And I'll, I'll weigh in after I hear what you think, Jason. Zach, I, I honestly think that uh, we'd want to pick a card that's um, not limited to one airline. So not your typical miles card, like American United. I would start with a Chase card. 
Chase Sapphire Preferred, mm-hmm. which the sign-up bonus should be about 50000 Now both, Yeah, both they're, points, they're both 50000 right now, the Preferred and the Reserve. Preferred points would be worth 1.25 cents per point, so one and a quarter. So every 10,000 points, instead of getting you 100 bucks, would would get you uh, 125 bucks worth of travel. And the reserve, which carries a higher annual fee and has some, some other very nice benefits, um, those points are worth 1.5. Uh, the, the, the points are worth 1.5, so every every 10,000 points would get you 150. Yeah, so so I think for most... Dollars worth of travel. Those are two cards. Mm-hmm. So... Let's just take a step back. I, so you were saying like we want to get cards that don't limit us to one airline. What you're really saying is you want to get a card that earns a point and not a mile or a transferable point currency. So the Chase cards are unique in that you could transfer the Chase points directly to an airline and then book using their frequent flyer program. Or you could just book normal cash flights and get a solid 1.25 cents or 1.5 cents per your point depending on which of the two cards you get. But there's other transferable point cards as well. The The four main ones are uh, Starward Preferred Guest, American Express Membership Rewards, Chase Ultimate Rewards, and then City Thank You points. I think for most of the people here, especially starting out, maybe you only have one or two credit cards, The one of the Chase cards is going to make the most sense. And if not, then probably an Amex card. But the it's a little bit harder to, I think, get good value for your city points and your SPG points, at least for kind of domestic U.S. flying. Would Would you agree with that? Absolutely, Zach. Very, very, um, absolutely, one hundred percent. I agree. The Chase and the Amex uh, membership awards are the two cards that are the easiest to use and uh, the most valuable for a simple beginner, definitely within the U.S. No question about it. Yeah. So now let's talk about the Chase Sapphire Preferred versus the Chase Sapphire Reserve, because I think for for most people listening to this, trying to get to the Next Generation Summit, it's really going to be one of those two cards if they're just kind of starting out with this. Let's also note that not everyone can get approved for the Chase Sapphire Preferred and Reserve. The Reserve is going to be a little bit harder to get and comes with a, a higher minimum credit line. So unless your credit is, I'd say, around like, 735 at like the the low end i wouldn't really consider applying and same for the preferred but maybe with 700 do those credit scores uh, match up to to your experience with clients jason sounds right i found though that they don't they don't determine based on scores alone they look at total credit history and length of credit they look at they look at several things and scores just is not so significant, but but the, the very fact that your score is what it is is also determined on those same factors that they look into. So I guess the score is something good to look at, but it's not it's not everything. Yeah. So what I tell people that just are kind of new to this, how do I increase my chances of getting these Chase cards? Is bank with Chase. So if you don't already have a you know personal or business checking account with them, open it up. I find their online tools, and I you know I have accounts with all the banks because I have a bunch of credit cards, and I find Chase's online and, and mobile 
system as well as just overall support is probably the best. When I first started about three years ago, I would say Amex, but Chase has stayed about the same while I find I found Amex has deteriorated pretty rapidly, even as a you know platinum uh, card holder. So make an account with Chase, and then you could go into a branch and see if you're pre-approved for a card. And you could check this online, but there's some pre-approvals that you could only get in person from your uh, personal banker. So this is something to consider both from the perspective of getting a new credit card as well as just having a more seamless online banking experience. That's right, definitely. Um, if you if you do bank with Chase, you definitely, and you have time to go into the branch, I would definitely do that because they can tell you what you're pre-approved for. I wouldn't bother. If you're not pre-approved, I would not bother applying because I think the chances of getting it are very slim. And in the branch, they, they, do, they really want to sell you the product. They want you to sign up for the card. So they'll help you get approved. They, they'll figure out a way. It's, it's not guaranteed, but they'll help you get approved. So that's definitely a very good point you mentioned about the branch. Now, you asked me to talk about the, the differences between the Sapphire Preferred and the Sapphire Reserve. Yeah. So the Sapphire Preferred is, is not a basic chase card. Even, even uh, somebody who cannot get approved for the Preferred, there are other chase cards like the Freedom and other cards that they will approve you for. I believe the, the Preferred requires a minimum opening credit line of $5,000. And they're not always ready to give a beginner that credit line. So it might be some, there might be people that, that uh, will sign up for the preferred get declined and yet sign up for the freedom a day later and get approved because their freedom card will come with a thousand dollar starting credit line. So the preferred is, like you said, it's still something that's um, not the easiest to get approved for, but it's, if someone has an okay credit and they, they've had credit cards in the past, you know, they're not a real beginner, it's certainly um, you have a, a good shot at it. The card, um, some of the card benefits is that, like we said, the, the, the points could transfer out to different airlines. There's a list of about 10 different airlines that the points go to, different, you know, different airlines, United, British, Southwest, etc. All are one-to-one -one value. So if you have your 50,000 points, that can equal up to 50,000 of the airline points. You don't need to transfer all your points. You can transfer them in 1,000 increments. So that's very good. If you just need to send today 20,000 to British or 25,000 to book this flight, you'll still be left with the other points. Um, you can transfer as many times as you want to as many different airlines as you want. That's one great benefit, and like we talked about earlier, the, the card can be used to book straight-up cash tickets, not mileage tickets, but rather cash tickets. You know, you go online, you see um, on Kayak, you have L.A. to New York. Um, one way is going to be, a, you know, let's say even when it's not so cheap, it's going to be $250. Well, guess what? Your points are worth 1.25, so then that requires 20,000 of your Chase points. You would go to Chase.com. You go to Ultimate Rewards and use points and book travel straight through there. That's, that's also a nice benefit. What else? There's a few other benefits like car rental protection and things like that, which 
I'm not going to get into because it's not really tied into flights, which is our topic here. Zach, did I miss anything? No, I think I think you've done a good job, and I just want to emphasize a point you said about you know maybe if you're just starting out, your credit score is in the 600s, you're not pre-approved if you have a Chase Bank account, then then you probably shouldn't you know waste a hard inquiry on the Chase Sapphire Preferred or Chase Sapphire Reserve, and a hard inquiry is when you apply for for credit, whether for a loan, a mortgage, credit card, and you get a small ding on your credit, which is negligible in the long run, but if you have a very low chance of being approved, there's no there's no sense in just kind of applying with such a low probability. The Chase Freedom, assuming you don't have a ton of credit cards, uh, is fairly easy for, for most people to get, even with credit scores in the 600s. This is a card that's really geared for kind of the, the in, intro person to the world of credit cards and credit. And while there's not as big of a sign-up bonus for the Chase Freedom compared to the Chase Sapphire Preferred or Chase Sapphire Reserve, if you run a business, which many of you listening to do if you're coming to NGS uh, this year, by just spending you know, $15,000, dollars $25,000 on that card, you can rack up enough points from the com- combination of the bonus and the spend to get a, to get a free flight. Because some, some of the cards give you what they call bonus spend, depending on the category. So for the Chase Sapphire Reserve, uh, if, if you're spending a decent amount of money traveling a lot, it's going to be by very clearly the best card for you. Unlike the preferred, you get uh, something called the priority pass, which gives you access to hundreds of lounges around the world. So if you're like me and you're flying all the time and most of it is not in business class, well, then you wouldn't ordinarily have access to a lounge. So being able to go into lounges for free can be very, very nice. Uh, if you're you know regularly flying and regularly having long layovers, like Jason said, if you're renting cars, I know the reserve has, I think, a, a little bit of increased protection compared to the preferred, but the preferred is also very solid. In, in addition, the reserve has this $300 travel credit, which uh, Jason alluded to before, where the annual fee is $450, but assuming you spend at least $300 on travel every year, which I'm guessing most people listening to do, then it's not really a $450 annual fee. It's really like an $150 annual fee because this $300 credit is automatically instated after your first, you know, or first few travel purchases. So there's kind of a whole suite of Chase cards to get. And, you know, I think this, this episode sounds like we're kind of shilling Chase products. And there's definitely a lot of other great credit cards out there. But for kind of the first few credit cards, I think it's hard to make a good argument against not kind of getting these suite of, of Chase cards. That's very fair, uh, Zach. That Chase is a, is an easy card to learn. They're they're friendly. They're they're good cards, and you know there uh, we we didn't speak about Amex cards, which really there are some even better bonuses that could be had with Amex. But I think on a simple level, you're right. Chase is definitely my go-to for a beginner. Um, like I said, it's it's easy to learn. You don't have to be well-versed in the mileage program or game. You could just sign on, and it's pretty easy. Is that is that fair? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. So in short, if you're based in the U.S. and you get the preferred or reserve, you should have no problem getting to and from NGS for free. If you don't have the credit to necessarily get those cards – We'd recommend that you get the freedom and you know either rack up some spend and then do a combination of 
of using the points. So the nice thing about using your chase points through the chase travel portal is if you don't have enough points, it's fine. Then you can just pay cash for the remaining amount of it. So now let, let, let's talk about the people that aren't based in the U.S. What strategy would you give to get to this conference in New York City for as cheap as possible if you're based in Paris or based in London? And maybe you're not an American citizen, so you can't get access to these awesome credit cards. What kind of strategies would you uh, recommend to these people? You know, that's a really challenging one because I really only been dealing with people that are U.S. citizens and have a social security number. In order to get approved for these Chase or Amex or any of these good cards we've talked about, I believe you must have a social security number. Otherwise, they won't approve you. Um, uh, am, am I wrong? You don't necessarily, so, you actually don't need a social security. There's another number you can get if you're working in the United States without citizenship but it's like a, a social security equivalent. If, if you're based in a foreign country and you're not an American citizen, you cannot get these credit cards. Right. Probably a lot of our audience, though, are, are U.S. citizens, even if they're based in a, in a different country. Yeah. I, I, bet, I bet a lot of them um, grew up in the States or their parents are from the States, and that would automatically make them a U.S. citizen and have a social. Um, so if you, if you are one of the, if you are, if you do have a social and you are a U.S. citizen, you can get these cards, any any of those we talked about. Um, you just have to have a U.S.-based address. So if you, you probably do have or you probably have access to a U.S.-based address, it doesn't have to be uh, your home address. It can be a business address that you have that you're associated with here. It can be um, a friend's address that you use for your card statements. Um, those work. And I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk about that in a second in a second. Um, because I'll, I'll start with someone who is a U.S. citizen and could get some of these cards. They're, they're equally or is, uh, valuable for someone that's trying to fly from Europe to the States. And let's just pick on the, the preferred, Sapphire preferred for a second. So a lot of times far out, you can get a good round-trip ticket from Paris or from London or other European cities. You can get a ticket to New York for five, six hundred bucks or less. And you know, if you would have, if you have these chase points, and your ticket is six hundred bucks, that means you'll be spending five, uh, fifty thousand. You'll be spending fifty thousand chase Sapphire preferred points, or even less when if you have if you have the reserve. So if you're booking far out, that's definitely a great option to look into the cash tickets and then use your chase points to do it that way. If tickets are more expensive, and I understand this is the summer, so tickets could be already more expensive, then these cards are still great. And I'll tell you why. Because to fly from Europe to the States, it could be anywhere in the States. It doesn't have to be New York, but we're picking on New York now. It's going to be something like 60,000 United miles round trip or could be even less with British points or it's not really a beginner's uh, option, but there's Singapore points or Air France points could be even 50,000 round trip. And these miles, these chase points, um, they transfer to all of those programs. So what you'd want to do in that case is you'd want to collect the miles 
um, make sure you have enough. So let's say you go to united.com, you plug in your dates, you click search for, for award travel, and it's very possible you'll find something available for 30,000 miles per leg. In other words, each way is 30,000 miles. And then once you have the flights you want, you just set up a United account, or if you already have a United account, and your, your chase points can transfer instantly into United, and then you can book the ticket. Um, sometimes last-minute tickets from Europe to the States are over $1,000, could be $1,500, and they could just be 60,000 miles plus some, some minimal taxes, whether it's 50 or 100 or $200. It's a very, very good option. The other good good value with that is that you don't have to book a round-trip ticket. So if you, if you find, let's say, one of the ways is available with 30,000 United miles, but the return is expensive on United miles, let's say 70,000 United miles, then you could say, hey, I'm going to do one way with United, and then um, I'll do one way back with a cash ticket. I found a cheap cash ticket on Norwegian or, or another airline, and then you could do the other way like that. Or you could find the other way with a different miles program, like Air France could have it for 25,000 miles to Europe, and you do one way with United, one way with Air France. So it's very flexible, and I think it's a very good option even for Europe. If you would sign up for the Safar Preferred or the Reserve, they both come with a 50000 bonus. Plus, you'll anyway have to do some spending. So before you know it, you'll have the 60,000 miles, which is plenty for a round trip. Yeah. And, and the one thing I want to add to this is, let's say you're not the U.S. citizen. You're based in Europe, you're based in Asia, based in the Middle East, and, and you want to get to NGS. You can't find cash tickets that are cheaper than, you know, 1000 1100 bucks round trip. And you don't have any miles to take advantage of these, you know, 60,000, 80,000 mile round trip trips. So this is a time when it's good to contact a mileage kind of broker travel agent like yourself, Jason. So do you want to, you know, pitch a little bit your, your service to, uh, to, to the listeners? And I'll, I, I know for the purpose of the show, you remain somewhat anonymous. So uh, if, if you're interested in booking through, through Jason's service, you could contact me, Zach, at easypoint.me, and I'll, I'll refer you to him if the fit is right. Sounds good. So yeah, so so there's two there's two options here really. When you when you go online and you see tickets are expensive and miles are you don't see miles available or you you don't know how to shop around for even if you have the miles and you don't find it available, uh, a good travel agent, uh, even just a standard travel agent that doesn't deal with miles can sometimes get a lot better rates than you can see online. That's a that's one good option for reaching out to a travel agent but someone like myself who does both i both i do you know your typical conventional travel agent stuff and i also use miles i know how to look around and find some miles options that you might not see available or i know how to play around with different maybe something that you a day before a day later something that you didn't find or um something that's looks not available on your end, but I know how to make it available. Things like that is somewhere where someone like the, the me that does does use miles to book travel could certainly save you a lot of money, especially when tickets are expensive online. 
in this case, we're strictly talking about coach tickets, I take it. Um, we didn't really get into business class tickets, but whatever I just said regarding both uses of a travel agent is so much more true when it comes to business class tickets as well. And honestly, it applies more so uh, for business class tickets. Most of the audience for this episode is probably not going to be trying to do so in business, but basically all the miles and points stuff goes a lot farther if you're considering business class, because typically the difference between cash and business fares from, let's say, the West Coast to the East Coast is maybe about four times as high for kind of a, a, a well-in-advance ticket and maybe closer to five or six times as high for a last-minute ticket, difference between business and economy. But miles, it'll never be more than three, and it's usually closer to around two times as much, 2.2 times as much, uh, as well as with a good travel agent. So if the if the tickets are pricing at, let's say, a 1,000 round-trip in economy and 5,000 round-trip in business, a good travel agent probably won't be able to go below 700 in economy you know, for a savings of about 30%. But a really good travel agent could probably get that to you in the low 2000s for business. So, you know, having a good travel agent or just better understanding miles and points yourself uh, pays dividends if you're considering business. Certainly, certainly, Zach. So um, the non-U.S. citizens here, they're listening to this and you cannot get one of these U.S. based credit cards. Um, I'd advise you to look into your own country they do have some foreign credit cards that also have some sign-up bonuses, like in the UK or in other European countries. They do have Amex uh, cards. I don't think they have Chase. They certainly have Amex, with the, and they certainly do have some sign-up bonuses. Um, that's number one. And number two, just get familiar with the mileage idea. See how you can earn miles. A lot of times when you shop online, you can earn miles. A lot of times there is credit cards that will give you miles. Even if it doesn't have a sign-up bonus, it would still give you miles for your spending. Um, you still want to collect miles on something that you're anyway doing, which is spending on a credit card. You still want to get the most, the most you could back for it. Okay. Well, I think that's a ton of information. Probably might even sound like too much for people that are, you know, credit card lists or only have one card and, just we're looking for some easy tips to get to NGS. So it's these things are easy, but they they take a little bit of time. Obviously, Jason and I are of the opinion that it's worth worth it get it to get some credit cards and you know start start looking at miles and points as kind of like a separate asset that you use for for traveling, where the prices are very different and often a little more lucrative uh, in terms of you know using miles and points for the same flight versus cash. So. Best of luck in getting to NGS. I'll be there, and I uh, look forward to seeing you all there. Uh, thanks for your time today, Jason. Thank you, Zach. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you have any questions about NGS or want to talk about becoming an EasyPoint client, reach out to me at zach at easypoint.me, Z-A-C-H. Thanks and hope to talk soon.